0: This is SermonSmith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation. My name is John Chandler. Today's conversation is with Darren Roundson. Darren is the pastor of the Garden Church, which is a church that he actually started in Long Beach, California in late 2009. And really enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy all the conversations. I know that I do, but uh, I I enjoy the unique angle and spin that each one of them brings. Darren had preached all of about three sermons when he started the Garden Church in his homiletics class as an undergrad. So it's fun to hear him describe his own story and journey of learning how to preach really on the fly for a very grace-giving congregation. Uh, So Thanks, Darren, for, for sharing some of that in the conversation to come. Also, I talk each time about partners for the podcasts. that help support the podcast. And this time, I just want to reiterate that one of those podcasts could directly be you. If you go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash SermonSmith, there you can actually pledge support, much like a patron of the arts would for the podcast. You can pledge to support the podcast with a dollar a show or $5 a show. Uh, whatever you're able to do and i have some goals to move the podcast from twice a month up to uh, a weekly podcast i have some other ideas for things i want to start to develop and facilitate around sermon smith as well and that can help us move towards all of those things so if you're able and willing and you've appreciated the podcast that also just helps offset some of the costs of the podcast it is already with the server space and my time and all that so thanks for considering that I uh, also want to say thank you to a few new iTunes reviews that have come in. One's from a string of numbers 465805. I just won't read the whole thing, but thank you for taking the time to do that back in January. And then the D project just recently here uh, at the beginning of March. Both of you left some reviews on iTunes. Thanks for that. It's always a helpful thing as well for a way to help spread the word. It, it helps the podcast show up higher in search results or, or related podcasts and that kind of thing. So thank you. Uh, all that said, let's move on. Here is today's conversation with Darren Roundson. Yeah, well, let's, we'll jump right into it. Darren, why don't you tell us about Garden Church in Long Beach? Tell us where you preach.
1: Yep. So um, I lead the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. My wife and I moved here to Long Beach uh, at the end of 2008 to start a church. Uh, we started it with a handful of people. There are about Three of us, including myself and my wife, when, when we started, and um, with a heart really to reach the city and to not just not to build a church, but to just bless the city and bring life to the city um, wherever we saw it. And uh, we uh, so we started that and we officially launched in 2009 our church called The Garden, and we've been meeting um, ever since. Every Sunday, we've been started a, night, uh, a nightclub. And then we moved. We got kicked out of that. We moved to a Seventh Day Adventist church. Um, we got kicked out of that, and then we moved to a school, and and we've been doing that for the last two and a half years. And our church is. A, I really, I really love our church. It's a very gracious community. It's diverse in every sense of the word, from uh, socioeconomic background to ethnic diversity. We translate our our services into Spanish in real time during the service, um, because, uh, this, this Long Beach is the second most diverse city in the U.S., and so it's, it's quite a unique place, and I think more and more our church is beginning to reflect that reality. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we're big on, on kind of community groups, missional communities, and, and really bringing a fresh expression of, of the, of Jesus to our community and city, so that's kind of the garden in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. And you talked about a lot of diversity. Is there a lot of age diversity as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm 31, and the primary kind of demographic would be young families. We have a ton of college students, um, but we have we definitely have a, a diverse age group now. I mean, um, one one actually couple that has been with us from the beginning. We met in their home early on. He's he's 83 years old and. He's Anglican and absolutely loves our church, and he's been with us from the beginning, and he's, he's part of our community. We have all different ages as well.
0: Hmm. That's, that's great. It's been a long time since I've been through Long Beach. Uh, is it a hard place for young families to live? I would imagine you know, it's kind of pricey, right?
1: Yeah, no, as far as LA goes, um, because it's a harbor city. It's not as pricey as Orange County, coastal cities or, you know, L.A. proper um, because we're pretty far south and there's a big harbor that keeps this what I call from a a non-surfable beach because I'm a surfer. And um, and so it's not as expensive, but it is. I mean, it's L.A. County, so it is expensive. But more and more families, the new demographic of the city are really young entrepreneurs and families moving into the community. So since I've been here, I've seen it just explode with young people. Um, in fact, downtown, the median age is 33 years old. Um, and so it's, it's, it's becoming more and more young.
0: Wow. Okay. And are you finding that many of the people, like what kind of people are finding their way there in terms of faith background to your church specifically?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, all, all different places from people, most people, I think in our context have had a, a bad experience with the church and they have either left the church completely or have had um, a really poor experience and they're very um nervous or cautious about joining a local community. And I think we we've really helped re-Jesus people or kind of reorient people to who Jesus really is. I always say I'm I'm kind of just I'm introducing people to the who Jesus really is, um, the real Jesus, I'll say. And so a lot of people come from kind of that hurt background where they've rejected it, um, mainly the institutional church. Um, and they find their way into our church and, and we kind of, you know, they can let their guard down and, and walk with God in a different way. But also, you know, our church, is, or I'm sorry, our city is very spiritual. Um, uh, people are open to all sorts of stuff. I mean, you can go to the park and see 200 people doing yoga and practicing various, you know, Tao, Taoism or, or various religious experiences you see all throughout the city. We've got the largest Jehovah's witness gathering anywhere in the world it happens here, um, and so it's it's just a fascinating, fascinating community. Uh, and our, our church has experienced people from all different walks of life. And it's really amazing. I mean, one thing I really love is uh, we just started Alpha. And we've seen a lot of non-Christians come through that and become Christian through that. And it's been awesome. So, oh, that's great. yeah. Um,
0: uh- so would you say, well, let me ask this before I move into that. How often do you particularly preach? Do you preach most weeks? You guys have a team. How's that work out?
1: Yeah, I preach. um, I preach, I share it. I share the teaching with uh, actually one of my professors from college um, when I was 24 about to launch our church. I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm old enough to start a church. So why don't you come help me? And that was, that was a long time ago. And he's, it, it was just going to be for a few months until I figured out how to do it. And he's been with us ever since. So we we've always done shared teaching. Um, and, and that's been really helpful. I probably teach two thirds to three quarters of the time now. Um, and I I really enjoy that, that part of my role.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I mean, this is about preaching. I'm sure I'd love to dig in and hear more about the church startup story. Cause it's so yeah. like from, even from what you told me before we were recording 23 just decided to start a church and then here you are still at it seven years later that's a beautiful thing it doesn't always work out that way so
1: no yeah it shouldn't have worked out yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's clearly god is real <laughs>
0: That'll be a conversation for another time maybe i need yeah. to start church planning smith or something but um well tell us about like yeah. from the it, well and is there any kind of yeah, totally. or connection or background or anything like that for the church
1: did i lose you Nope. We're non-denominational. Are you there?
0: Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry,
1: okay. yeah, yeah. Not, not denominational. There's no, um, there's no affiliation.
0: Got it. Okay. And then what would you say then just in the life of garden church, what, what role does preaching fill within the life of the church? Uh,
1: you know, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, we're, in many ways, we come from a Protestant background where the sermon has been a powerful gift for the life of a community. Um, I hope that people are living out their faith seven days a week and that the sermon is really uh, giving water and um, providing people with a fresh expression of faith um, and encouragement for their Monday and Tuesday. I think that's that's how I would see it. I always say, you know, how how does this impact the plumber in the third row on his Tuesday. And if we can if we can preach in a way that their life is transformed and having a greater meaning through a few, you know, thirty five minutes to forty five minutes of preaching on Sunday, then then we're doing our job right.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at uh, your website right now, looking at your archived preaching or archived sermons page and it looks like you know, you do a number of series throughout the year and it looks like you kind of do a mix of maybe some textual studies as well as some topical studies. So how, yeah. do, you, how do you guys map all that out and plan all that out?
1: So um, usually in the summer I get away and I, I just kind of map out about from from September till, uh May uh, various series contexts. So sometimes it's, you know, a book that I'm fascinated by um, you know, and we'll do a series through a book or of the Bible and sometimes it's a topic and and really um I've I've kind of I, I came from a exegetical background, expository preaching, you know, just preach verse by verse. And so that was always the beginning. So when we started we did a lot of, you know, preaching to verse by verse through Mark or the Sermon on the Mount or Um, you know, the Ten Commandments. And then as I kind of grew as a teacher, um, I realized there's other ways to approach it. And I kind of allowed the you know, the rule to be expounded upon and and I, I learned to kind of preach what fascinated me um at the time, what interests me is kind of a big part of how I go for it. And uh, also what what does our church need to hear and where are people at and where is the Lord drawing them to? Those are all all the questions that I kind of think through before I land on a on a way of um kind of setting out the series in advance. But I, I basically will map out September until May and I'll have kind of a topic or a text for each weekend for the whole year.
0: Gotcha. And is that, I mean, is that purely just based on a sense of like how much of that comes internally? You just feeling like these are a direction that we need to go and how much of that's coming from conversations. Other people are saying it would be really beneficial for our church to go through this. Like how, what, how much kind of push and pull is there?
1: You know, I think, um, for me, I, I, I try to listen really well to the community. I listen to our community group leaders. I listen to the conversations they're having, um, about, you know, what, what really sticks when I, when I get feedback from sermons, I kind of pay attention to that. I take notes, I'll write that down, you know, or I'll even look at, um, sometimes, you know, the number of views or downloads for a podcast and see, you know, wow, you know, our, our our listening spiked you know tenfold when we talked about hearing god's voice what's that about well maybe people are hungry on hearing god's voice and so how does how do we how do we relate that into the future um, but most of the time it's it's really just um what what is giving w- w- for me i'm asking the question what what's the text doing in me and s- so much of my philosophy of preaching is you know how is this moving you as a person as a preacher as a leader of a church and um if i'm connected to something it, it can be i think i'll i'll preach better I'll, I'll i'll bring more insight to our community so whenever something interests me um i'm i'm kind of trying to follow that route and and that maybe is a little myopic but i i've i don't now i don't really take advice from quote unquote, the congregation to tell me what to preach. I'm not really interested in in doing that. I'm really trying to just be obedient and follow. And by following, I can, um, I can really lead better.
0: Yeah. So I I assume as you go away in the summer, you've already got stuff you're working on. I mean, you talked about, you jotted down conversations you have, so you've already got some inklings. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Uh, like how much are those inklings already in play? Do you already feel like you have a decent idea as you're going into that? Or does it, are you really surprised by what shows up when you start to hammer this stuff out?
1: Sometimes I'm surprised. And sometimes it's a little, um, it's held, you know, a little more loosely, but even now, like I'm, I'm, it's what is it? It's beginning of March. And I'm, I'm already thinking towards I, I pretty much have in my mind um and I've actually I've already started a couple of Evernotes and that's you know, we can talk about that later, later the process and stuff, but I already have files created um and folders created for uh September and October, November and December already mapped out. So I'm pretty far ahead. So by the time I get to summer, I bet it will this summer I'll have way more content being prepped and read through than than ever before. Yeah. So,
0: and then when you come out of that process, by the you know when you come out with that map, so to speak, of September through May, what does that look like? Is that like a, a long document that just has week by week text theme, and then do you go so far as even putting together some kind of directive paragraph or anything like that? Or yeah. Is it just text and theme.
1: No, it's so what I do is I create um, folders for all of them. And what I'll have is, uh, I mean, I'll have notes placed in the various fold, f- folders through Evernote and, um, and documents already saved and articles. And, and then I'll have uh, for each theme, I'll have kind of a, a title, a, a summary. I'll have um, some points on where I hope this takes our church. So I'll really, I try to, you know, preach for transformation and I try to lead our church to that. Um, because it's a way of communication has the power to change and bring transformation and move community forward. And so I'll have desired outcomes and then I'll I'll even have like a sense of feel. So I'll give it to our design team so that they'll they'll design and campaign around that. Um, And, and then I'll have, you know, week by week um, text and a description. So,
0: yeah. Fun. Okay. Well, let's get, uh, I don't know if you, I didn't, I forgot to ask you this before we started. So I'm just going to put you on the spot, but any answers. Okay. Um, okay. You don't even have to answer. I'm just going to state, uh, I, I didn't ask you beforehand if you listened to the podcast before, but I definitely like to get a little nitty gritty. Um, I like to get a little nerdy because it's, it's fun for me to just kind of flesh out the details and learn like, what are the workflows that are working best for people? So yep. Uh, as much as, you can get into that without, you know, this visual orientation we have for an audio podcast. Talk us yeah. through what's your, what's your schedule and what, what are your workflows for putting, just pick a single sermon and talk through how they come together.
1: Yep. Great. Um, so for me, I think the process, uh, maybe I'll just take one step back and I'll go into the process for me. You know, I studied acting, uh, as a student, and I, at an early age, I wanted to be an actor. And I studied specifically method acting, um, Stanislavski, and kind of an approach to where, you know, you want to embody uh, the character that you you portray. And for some reason, that really impacted as when I transitioned to becoming a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. felt called into ministry. Um, I've realized, you know, for, for me, I was really shaped by um, method acting method acting in my preaching which is really I think we we all want this and desire this but we we want to become you know the message we're preaching incarnate the message we preach we want to preach with a connection from our heart as well as our head and we want for me I I really want an emotional connection to the text so with that said I'm I'm always trying to find better ways to communicate uh whatever it is the text is saying exegetically going through that process and studying um. also to a place where it's impacted my life, where I'm passionate about it. So that process, I've just, I've recognized that the process is less and less about, um, you know, technical skill and more and more about emotional awareness and, and really awareness in general about life and where people are. So for me, I try to create as much space and margin to really marinate on the word of God. So I, my process is I I basically have Tuesday um, part of the day about to set aside and Thursday set aside for message um, prep and study. So Tuesday would be I go to the, I go to a coffee shop. We don't have I don't have a private office. Um, we have a big team and we all share a room. And so I just study the text and I ask you know I do the thousand questions that Steve Carter talked about. The same yeah. thing that. Um, Rob Bell recommended so I basically bring um, just a notebook or an open evernote and I don't bring any assumption to the text and just bring tons of questions and I just ask you know dozens of questions around the text I read the text over and over and over and over again and then I start connecting the dots and I study from there um, so I start by answering those questions and, and allowing that to flow and that usually sparks all sorts of creativity and it leads me on a on the journey of you know what what does the message say? What does the text say? And how, how do I connect this to the audience and to our congregation? And so, and then I'll get into the studying on the same day, usually the second half of the day. And so that's Tuesday. Now it's going to be marinating on Wednesday. I have meetings for our staff and and I might, you know, spend 30 minutes here or there during during Wednesday, connecting with what I read on, on Tuesday, but then I approached Thursday and Thursday, I began to write out and really synthesize whatever is kind of forming inside of me. And so my job Thursday would be to take what I studied. And again, i you know, if it's for this week, I'm preaching on like, you know, um, I think compassion is the currency of the kingdom or something like that you know, Jesus, Jesus is, Jesus compassion. I and, should
0: say it's Monday. So we know that it's okay that you don't know. Okay,
1: yet. great. And I just, <laughs> I just got back from India. So there we go. Um, there go. So I don't really know, but, but I know the topic and that's the thing. So I've prepped this for, you know, weeks in advance or months, you know, in the summer. So I know I'm approaching this. So my mind's already been thinking about this. I've, you know, two weeks ago, I'm reading texts, picking out what I'm going to share. I already have a text pick. So I've been s- marinating on it. So by the time I come to Tuesday, there's already a fresh start. There's a, a perspective. And Thursday, I'm just the first half of the day, I'm just writing out an outline, a general, this is where I think it's going. I'm looking for stories. I'm collecting. I'm putting it in. And basically, by the second half of Thursday, I have an outline. I have PowerPoints written out. I just have notes written out that I send to our AV guy. He writes our first draft of PowerPoints. And then I let it go on Friday and Saturday. I don't touch it at all. I get up early on Sunday morning, really early. Um I, I get up at like 4:30 or 5 and I go to the gym where I take what I've written all my notes and it's usually a a mess of notes and I just read it um on a treadmill and um in my head and then I I go to the office and I try to read whatever I think I have out loud at once and then after that I write a small outline and then I I and then I show up to church and I preach. So I like that. Just, I know it's so crazy, but by the time by the time I've read it out loud once and sometimes it takes two um, I'll have most of it memorized and and that's and and i'll have for me it's all about arranging the ideas in a constructive way that brings um, the point or the few points that I have home um and so it, it's it's i was a, a i was a i studied improv improvisation for five years and so i did i traveled doing improv so that kind of gives me a little head start on a lot of people because i I was able to think quickly on my feet and so that i've kind of i kind of maybe rely on that a little too much than i should um but that's how that's my process so
0: but the argument i always make is if you if you can't break it down the, the the argument in favor of kind of knowing what you want to say and mostly having it memorized is if you can't break down the movements of what you're doing well enough that you can remember them, I think people are going to have a hard time following them anyway. So there's yeah. something really healthy about it. Not to say that manuscripting and outlining is not good, but yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So that's, that's a big, broad stroke. So let me uh, circle back to some nitty-gritty stuff. I mean, I don't want to make an assumption here. So you even talked about starting with a thousand questions to ask the text. You yep. you literally pretty much go through that same document that Steve Carter has that we've talked about before, or do you go through a process of almost engaging your own questions each time about a given text?
1: Yeah, I, I, I look at that text um, of questions and sorry, I look at that document and I, I might not use that exact one, but I've kind of adopted that and then i apply it to whatever text i have it's kind of the formula for developing a sermon that i've i've embraced yeah so
0: yeah okay and then when you're talking about jotting all that stuff down capturing all those notes is all of this happen in an evernote
1: yeah i mean i used to do pages or word and you know um i'm now just I use Evernote for everything, so I basically create a folder um, for the series, and then I I I put everything in there. So if I'm reading, you know, on my Kindle, I can copy and paste, um, you know, from a book and throw it into that that note. I can take a picture from, you know, on the street, saw like you know, graffiti art that's gonna work, and I'll, I'll just throw that in the Evernote. I I catalog everything um i'll be in a meeting you know with talking about you know budgets and procedures and policies with our church yeah. and something you know which always gets me so rallied for sunday sermons and um <laughs> but i'll i'll just i'll you know something will spark and i can throw it in the evernote so and before i finish my sermon i'll make sure to read everything in that particular folder um that's associated to that you know so that way i, I don't forget
0: do you only do sermon stuff in Evernote, or do you keep other stuff in there
1: no uh i do i I live by Evernote. I have everything in Evernote, and then I also use pages so when i'm when I actually write my sermon i'll I'll put that i'll finalize it in pages on my mac um, and then i I make it a PDF and I use an iPad when I preach so gotcha.
0: okay'll uh, we'll talk about then talk about Tuesday afternoon. you talk about the study part. What is that? <laughs> What's that process look like for you? You've already got all the so, questions you've been yeah. kicking around. So what goes
1: on? So I just go. I know I go on a a, a manhunt for answers when I don't have them. I do a ton of word studies. I read a ton of um, Jewish commentaries. I read um, a lot of commentaries: Anchor Yale, B- Pillar New Testament, Zondervan Exegetical Commentary. I read a, a wide range as much as possible on any subject. I love. Witherington's socio-rhetorical commentary, and I have Logos bio software. So when it comes to like, you know, the nerd side of finding the answers, I I, I usually find the answers um rather quickly, and 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 I allow that space really just to to allow the questions that I didn't have bubble up. Um, um when you're reading kind of a vast barrage of, of commentaries.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you have all four of those sets that you just mentioned, so you can. Yeah. ever text, every time. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I try to read, I don't know, five to seven commentaries when it comes to the text. And, and this is the other thing I'm doing that work um, a lot of the times beforehand. So I'm reading commentaries. So I do all the intros and the background. I read that way before we even start the series. That way I have that in my head. And then I can go week by week or, you know, every two weeks um, based on the passage.
0: So when do you find time to do some of that way backstory story study?
1: All the time. I mean, I, I think I learned from Mike Erie, um, you're always kind of preparing. You're always inhaling. He's called the inhaling, um, this, the text. So, I, you know, I'm reading for a series after Easter right now. Um, I'm, I've been reading a bunch of stuff on identity and um, sh- uh, sin, shame, and guilt and stuff like that. Uh, so I've been reading that now. And so by the time I get there, uh, I'll have a whole bunch of backgrounds, notes already being taken, you know, and so it's all being collected. And now it's all for th- all of the, I keep yeah. dropping, I should get paid for that.
0: <laughs> and is it, um, I mean, is that, is that work time for you? Is that you know, morning reading, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, the days you're not working on the sermon or is that watching a baseball game in the evening?
1: No, I don't do, um, I take Fridays and Saturdays off and I'm, I'm religious about not working. I Sabbath with my family I don't work. I don't turn on, um, my computer. Um, and, uh, I'm not, I I read all the time and so, but I won't be reading for those, um, for work on Fridays and Saturdays, but I will read throughout the week, you know, I'll, I'll read all the time, Monday through Thursday or Sunday, through Thursday, I'll be reading um, all the time as far as, as long as my interest is there, you know, for me, it's like really about energy. So I'm, I'm trying to, if I'm energized by it, I'm going to keep reading it. Otherwise, if it becomes more work and it's after hours or before hours, I'm not going to touch it. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, and then you talked about, you talked about Lagos a little bit. are you, and, yeah. And even when you're doing all this, is this with a laptop or are you just sitting there with an iPad?
1: Yeah, it's mostly laptop. And then, or, you know, I have Kindle on my iPhone. I'll read a bunch on my Kindle as I, you know, I'm sitting and waiting for meetings or, or my iPad. Yeah. So mostly digital. And I, I used to feel like I had to go paper because there's something more organic and authentic about it. And then I just kind of beat that over the head that that's, that's just a lie. So, uh, I'm more productive with, um kind of the digital the digital stuff
0: i hear you yeah i have i still have these fantasy memories of watching i i I don't know if i've even mentioned this in previous interviews but i remember watching years ago what was a johnny depp movie where he played john barry the guy who wrote uh, peter pan yes you know and seeing him sit sitting in a park in london and writing the script for or whatever whatever you call it for a play yeah playwriting (laughs) yeah Peter Pan and his little notebook. So I've harbored fantasies about, you know, keeping these written notebooks, but digital just works for me. I'm a digital kind of guy. So it's, it's because you can move stuff around so easily and capture it so easily. And,
1: and remember, I think half of my battle is like, if I took notes on my, you know, in my moleskin, like half the time I can't find it. So now I just try to put everything that, you know, where I can reach it. Yeah. So true.
0: All right. So you've got Tuesday, you end the day Full of just full of stuff, full of ideas to percolate and marinate and incubate and whatever you want to call it. And then you come to Thursday and it's time to write it out more. And you said you start to outline it. How does that, this is my favorite question that some people really struggle with and some people can answer pretty quickly. So I kind of like it when people struggle with it. But how does that outline emerge?
1: So I don't look at my notes when I start um, that I've collected on my computer, I start with a white blank piece of paper and I start with from my, from my mind. Um, paper? Yeah. Oh, so maybe, here I am. A curveball. I know analog. What did I do? <laughs> um, yeah, I start, I, I, and, and I think that's been the key is, is, I just start with the blank piece of paper and I just based off of memory, I have a, uh, my Bible and a white piece of paper and I just start writing out what sticks out and flows. So I try to basically start the outline, by hand. And, and almost every time that becomes the clearest form of, of my sermon. Um, and then, and then I go back and I look through my notes and then I, I, you know, piece quotes together and, um, you know, and I, I highlight the things that I, I missed through my memory, but that, that's probably the, the easiest way, um, to move forward for me in figuring out that outline
0: and do you find that it's already kind of in mind just from thinking about it since Tuesday or does it not start to come out until you've got pen and paper in hand
1: I mean it's so funny i mean you know this as as you prep sermons i mean sometimes i have it you know i have it on tuesday i'm like i got it um, sometimes it's like the last you know 30 minutes on a thursday and other times because of my process because i'm not i'm not working uh, intentionally on, on Fridays and Saturdays. And I try to take that time for my family. Um, I don't really get it until Sunday morning. And, and, and I have, what I've learned is really to trust the process and where in the past, I, I, I nearly burnt out in church planning because I didn't take that Friday, Saturday off. I would work and I would constantly be on, um, trying to figure out what's best and how to better, you know, communicate whatever the idea is. And, and now I've just really kind of given this proper space to the sermon. And and I've honored the process to where if it's not there by Thursday, I'm not stressed. I'll just trust the process to be there by Sunday morning. Um, and I've, I've yet to show up on Sunday morning where I, I didn't, I mean, you know, I, I have felt that the sermon wasn't ready, but I still delivered it, but I've yet to show up and not, you know, not be prepared to preach something that was meaningful.
0: So even if you get to the gym and it's not ready by the time you leave the gym, maybe it will be
1: there yeah
0: are you a are you an extrovert verbal processor is that is that why that talking through reading through helps you or not
1: i think uh the actor it's yeah. uh, i'm i'm not necessarily a verbal processor i but i think the actor inside of me needed needs to be connected you know verbally to um what's going to be de- demonstrated or proclaimed so when i as soon as i speak it out like i'll remember it in ways that i i can't by just reading it
0: yeah and then you talked about your final outline is really pretty short. What is that? And it's on it's in an iPad. So what does that really look like? And when you say short, are you talking like six words? What's
1: no, that? no. Um, you know, maybe two pages, but the the notes would be useless for anyone else. They're uh, highlights and quotes, and some the font is different size, and um, and most of the time it's this just there for sec- you know security reasons, not because. Um, I'm really stuck to it because it's usually in my head, but it's there to, you know, refer to, um, but really I try to eliminate as much as possible, uh, so that I don't read from it. And I just try to keep the things that I need to nail, um, in there. And now what I, what I really do is I put my notes, what I want to remember in a PowerPoint that our, our sound team and AV team control. So I just, I I rely on that process as well.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm sure others do this, but I, I'm surprised that I, I'm sure you have a chance to review them too. I'm just surprised that you basically hand off ideas and other people put the slides together compared to, yeah. compared to Ian, De Oreo, who you mentioned earlier, who, well, I guess you mentioned it before we started recording, but yeah. Ian, who starts, pretty much starts his sermon in keynote or PowerPoint. So, cause he's so visual.
1: Yep. Yeah, he's a freak too. So <laughs> he's a he's a genius. So his his process is probably better than mine. Um, well,
0: but his process works for them. It, That's the fun. Exactly.
1: Other. Exactly. Yeah. So I I love it. I just basically you know I write a period um, before a sentence, and and it's a symbol for a new slide. And I just give him literally an, an email with with my notes, and uh, and then they just take it and run with it.
0: I guess that makes sense. I mean, I I preach for a friend's church, and I guess that's essentially what I do for them when I preach over there is I just send them an email, and it hasn't failed me yet. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Uh, And Um, then, so after the fact, after the process, do you have, I mean, you talked about feedback from people, but do you have any kind of process where you evaluate sermons after the fact? Do you listen to your sermons or watch them? I'm not sure if you record video
1: yeah we record video and do podcasts and to be honest i I, i'm not doing that i hate listening to myself and i know i'll be a better preacher if i do that and i'll i'll be more effective but i i just don't and what i will do though is um i i will go back and look at my notes and make edits um if that way for future reference i can just say that you know I'll erase something, or I'll add something, or I'll just say this this part was good, um, and you know that usually is based off of the response I get from from close friends or people that you know come up after a talk and share why it impacted them or why they were offended because both of those are just as important. So,
0: right. yeah. And where do you store all those old sermons?
1: Um, so the notes I have cataloged um, in. Both Evernote and then on my desk or on my computer. But then uh, we have a Google Drive with our our uh, our church. So I have our administrator put the the podcast, the video podcast, my sermon notes, the community group curriculum, all in a folder so that we can we can access them. And then I also get transcripts of my sermon. So I have a, a company that transcribes it. Um, so we have it for future reference, and that's also placed in there. Hmm.
0: And do you, do you find that you go back and revisit those much? Like, do you redo sermons or series? or
1: Yeah, the, the ones that are meaningful. Um, so, you know, I think every preacher has like one or two sermons or maybe more that they that's, the, you know, those are their life messages that they always come up. Like, no matter what, if I'm going to talk about who Jesus really is and his message on the kingdom. For some reason, I just I love talking about Jesus's kingdom. I love talking about who he is and the love that he has for God's people. You know, it's like you can listen to um, Brennan Manning, and he has one sermon, and he says it a thousand different ways. And and I've seen that in people when people come alive. And so for me, as much as I I do go back to those sermons, and I I look at the ones that had a lot of impact on our church or on on people, um, and I I try to craft them better, but I also want it for future reference. If I go and travel somewhere, I want to have access to that and give my very best whenever I go somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before, here's a curveball question for you. You mentioned before we started that basically before you started this church, you'd preach three sermons in your homiletics class. Yes. Vanguard and... Yeah. Which, which when I was in Southern California, it wasn't called Vanguard. It was called something else. I don't remember. SCC, Southern remember. California that's College. It, that's it. So, yeah. um, so tell us <laughs> uh, along the way, what are some of the hard what are some of the lessons you've learned the hard way about preaching you know starting in such a raw state
1: yeah uh i think you know when the grace that i had in starting was that i was preaching to a very small community (laughs) so you know i always say if, if people stayed um they were quite courageous and um because of how bad the preaching was in the beginning i mean I, I would preach for like fifteen minutes and think I preached for forty five and it was miserable. I mean, I would trip over microphone cords we we planted in a basement of an old church, and the church that met before us was a Cambodian church, and they would have potlucks and it would smell like Cambodian food, and you know there was no a c so people were sweating um and it was miserable to be a part of our church when we planted. It was like what not to do. And then we moved to a nightclub and it was, a, you know, it was a cigar lounge. So the kids ministry met in literally a cigar lounge. So we had air purifiers going through the whole service because we, you had kids meeting in a, in a humidor. Um, so for me, like with all of that background, the preaching was never the focus. I was just trying to survive church planning, which you, you're a church planner. So maybe you get that. Sure. And, um, but I think there was a lot of grace. Like I, I had a community that w- that followed despite m- my lack of knowledge, my youthfulness, my ignorance. My um, my I was so insecure. I, I used to have panic attacks. Um, before I would start, you know, I, I remember we started as a night service, and it would be four o'clock, and um, I would be in my one bedroom apartment with my wife, freaking out on the on my back in our in our one bedroom. Um, hyperventilating and feeling like the world was closing in on me. And my wife would just be like, Darren, it's such a gift to know um, that God's leading you somewhere. Like, you know, God's called you to preach and your fear is leading you in the direction of obedience. And I'll never forget it. So it was like this moving from, oh, I have to go preach to I get to go preach. Um, And so it it was really just the work. You you read about it. You know, there's no shortcuts to becoming a great preacher. I don't think I'm a great preacher. I just think I'm being obedient. And, um, and what I learned over time is one, trust the process, commit to a process and trust it Two, um, be connected to the text. Don't preach because you think you have to say something, uh, preach because it gives you life and meaning because that's that that text is giving, you know, you life. And I think, um, I, I follow this rule that it had to be expository, it had to be verse by verse and, um, and. You know, I was basically a Bible translator for much of that time, where I was just I was just translating to people what I learned through the week, which was a lot of Greek or Hebrew and a bunch of commentaries. And I, I tried to prove myself to them. And I got this line from Rob: um, hermeneutical pyrotechnics. I just wanted to show you know that I can I was smart enough rather than be a gift to people. And I think that's what preaching is for me now. It's it's not to show anything it's to be a gift that people can accept or reject and it doesn't matter because i'm a, am the ups guy i don't get to stare at the package as it's opened i just drop it and walk away and um and as i've kind of grown in in that that process i've become a better preacher because i don't really care (laughs) this sounds horrible i don't really care what people think of how it comes off or who i sound like i'm just trying to be obedient to what god's doing in the moment And there's a lot more freedom now because of that. And you'll preach with more power as a result of having that type of freedom. So if you're learning to preach, I would encourage people, if they're just starting out, um, just trust the voice inside of them. Learn to have your own voice. I wanted to be like Mike Erie. I wanted to be like Rob Bell. You know, I listened to Tim Keller. and be like, oh, I got to be, I got to quote more people and be, you know, seem smarter and Or I listen to Ian or Steve Carter and all these guys and, and try to become like them. And then I realize, you know, that's not me. I just need to be fully myself and, um, and allow God to do that. And, and as soon as that takes place, then, then the shift happens. And that's where kind of the power of preaching really comes in.
0: Yeah. When do you feel like you clicked in? Like, when do you feel like you found your voice? When? I, th- I think yeah, I'm— Not a date, but how far yeah. into the process. <laughs>
1: honestly i think i burnt out really bad in 2012 and um where i was just ruined i was working too much and i was exhausted and i mean i was getting treated because they thought i had cancer i didn't have cancer i was just stressed and um my body was responding to the stress and and i i met um one of my mentors then and he really reshifted he helped shift kind of some change and i began to i began to trust people i began to Trust Jesus again inside of me, and not not rely on strength and talent and energy. And and as I began to deal with the false self that was there, that's that's screaming insecurity and trying to prove that I was valuable and worth something. As that that kind of false self was identified and released, um, I just kind of stood uh, vulnerable in front of our community. One day, I remember saying, "You know, I'm not going to preach what I think you need, uh, what I think you want me to preach. I'm going to preach what I think God wants." me to preach and and i just want permission to like fail trying to do that and our church just embraced that and and that's what i think I, I became aware of the type of community i have i always say the greatest gift i have in leading the garden is being a part of the garden um and so for me being a, a vocational uh minister a local church pastor that's rooted in, co- in a local context is so important for my preaching um because i know the people and our church has grown significantly And it's, it's grown beyond the people, you know, I I don't know everyone at all. Um, and it continues to grow, but I just, I think I've learned to, I've learned to, to have a voice because I really began to listen, um, to people and really started listening to our community and and God and and kind of was set free on that journey. Anyways, there's a lot there.
0: (laughs) That's great. Thank you. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, we'll start winding down here, but, uh, what are some, I mean, I, I have a feeling you're one of those who might be able to answer quite a few here. So that's great. But what are some books that have kind of helped direct you and shape you into the preacher that you're becoming? I won't even say become, but you're becoming. Um,
1: let's see here. Well, so as far as like books that have shaped me, anything that Dallas Willard wrote, Brennan Manning, yeah. um. I was really shaped by, by Henry now. And those guys have shaped my soul in so many ways. Um, I love reading about the Methodist movement in the U S and, um, reading about George Whitfield and, um, and, uh, John Wesley yeah. and, uh, Peter Cartwright and, uh, these guys that had such power and passion and lived a completely different type of community. Um, uh, a different type of experience in the U.S. Those guys have always inspired me. Uh, as far as preaching goes, I mean, I, I really have had some amazing mentors that have um, – the, the pastor that preaches with me, uh, he was my professor that graded me back at Vanguard. He's on staff at our church. He he taught me how to study the word, and I got graded in his school – in his class. His name's Bill Doctrum. He's a professor at Vanguard. He's shaped me. So really, books, I mean, I've been um, – I love those guys, uh, but as far as as far as preaching goes, it's been mostly um, mentors like Rob Bell and Mike Erie and and uh, Bill Doctrum. They've really shaped the the type of preacher that I've become.
0: That's great. I, I don't. I hear Mike Erie's name a lot. I think he and I have exchanged an email or two along the way. But uh, what I love about what I hear about him is he's not he's not quote unquote a famous preacher so to speak like he's not a celebrity preacher i would say yeah yeah but i know that he's just helped develop a lot of people and so i hear stories like you just said a lot i think that's pretty fantastic yeah
1: he, he's the kind of guy that you would call like this year actually i was in northern california and i was flying back for our christmas eve service and i was i was just burnt i was so tired um and i i just called him and i'm like hey do you have a second and it was chris you know it was like the 23rd or something like that and he just answers the phone talks for 2 hours and i by the end of it i was like all right i got a new sermon ready to go because he had walked me through some stuff that inspired him and and he's just he's that kind of
0: guy i love him so yeah. and he's he's still in southern california right i yeah. you still can see him yeah yep still do cool yeah well, uh, Darren, I almost just said I almost just called you Mike. Got, that's fine. Got to oh, that's a, that's a gift. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, but Darren, if uh, if people want to keep track, you know, the Garden Church website. Uh, yeah. I know you. I know you tweet, but uh, I don't know if you have a personal blog or anything like that. How can people keep up with what's going on?
1: No, I would just say follow follow the Garden. I, I have a you know. Uh, a, a website and blog, but I'm not really up to date on that. So I would just say the garden's the easiest thing.
0: So. Garden church, right?
1: Garden church,
0: yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Darren, awesome. thanks so much. It's uh, yeah, it's great to quote unquote meet you. Yeah. Uh, and Thank you. Your story. I appreciate you kind of showing up and not just talking about the process of sermon prep, but talking about the process of how your soul's been prepared too. I, I always love it when people come and bring that
1: absolutely that's all i got so i appreciate your time and uh and it's great to be a part of this thank you for doing what you're doing it's a great resource for lots of preachers and for the future i think it's going to be really helpful so thank you
0: yeah thanks i enjoy it all right
1: right, thank you talk to you later
0: Man, I said this at the end, but I just want to restate. uh, Darren, thanks for showing up. Uh, I love the conversations we get to have just about the nitty-gritty details of podcasting and what happens with pen and paper, but I also really enjoy when these conversations stray into just some of the soul work that happens and some of the ways we are shaped by doing this creative and sacred craft. And uh, I like that Darren talked about that and I hope we always stray into that in some way in these conversations. You can find notes for Anything that Darren mentioned and any of the previous uh, conversations at sermonsmith.com where you can find links to books and resources, particularly in this one, The Thousand Questions to Ask the Text document that Darren talked about, all available there, sermonsmith.com. Thanks.